Thank you for joining us today on Evergrowth Mastermind. Today's episode is February 2021, Isolation and Burnout During a Pandemic. What we'll be exploring today? Have you felt or seen the effects of these? Does this change how you live? And what will happen if you don't address this? We hope you enjoyed today's episode. February 2021. And uh, we're on to our second talk on isolation and burnout during a pandemic. And we naturally picked this talk to deal with the relevancy of uh, us being back under lockdown in Ontario once again. And, you know, going through another round of isolation practices for working and businesses and things like that. And, you know, we wanted to look at how that's affecting people and, you know, where that uh, is, uh, you know, sometimes, I'm going to say an excuse, right? But, you know, the, your perception of these things definitely have a play on how you deal with this kind of isolation. Um, and, you know, uh, over the past year, we've all been practicing isolation in some form due to COVID. And, you know, the the fact that we can't just maintain that isolation for a set period of time, you know, uh, a week, uh, a couple of weeks, a month, uh, the pandemic keeps going and going. So humans have an inability to just stay put. You know, they, they feel like, okay, it's enough. I have to go out and do something. Let's go to a big event. And then all of a sudden, hey, you have a COVID incident and then it spreads and then it keeps going. And, you know, a year later, we're getting you know, the vaccines and stuff and starting to have ways to combat it a bit, but people don't really deal well with isolation. You know, they talk about how hard it's been. And for many, that is true. You know, people have lost jobs or been unable to work and they've lost family members and, you know, uh, not having that connection. You know, it's still, even for uh, introverts like myself, there's still that fundamental need to connect with people. And, um, you know, so that there's definitely, you know, the effects of isolation are real, but at the same time, you know, people look at it as, oh, I can't do things. So I can't go shopping like I want to. I can't go to concerts. I can't uh, travel. I can't just do what I want. And they start to look at those things in a very entitled way of like, I don't get to do these things. So I'm going to feel worse or make other feel worse or, you know, kind of keep venting my frustrations of not just having a, you know, quote unquote, normal life and being able to do these things. But, you know, this is, this is a worldwide pandemic. It's not, you know, something isolated in one corner of the world. And when the Spanish flu came, we had a similar mentality of, oh, we're just going to keep doing things and not act like this is a serious. And it ended up, you know, uh, killing almost 50 million people worldwide. So by not respecting you know, things of the past, we're kind of repeating it. And it's only 100 years later. And we have so much information and science and understanding of how to beat this. And we're still falling short, which is, you know, a little mind boggling. Um, but there's the other aspect of isolation is loneliness, right? So when you're alone, and you don't get to go out, and you're not allowed to leave your house, you know, there's an aspect of loneliness that creeps in. And less the isolation, I think we're masking loneliness as the real issue here, right? And it's also a very puzzling thing because 
how can we justify truly saying we're lonely in the modern day? Like right now I'm talking to four men in very different parts of Ontario, right? Some of you are close to each other and no one of you is close to me. And uh, we're able to talk to anyone across the globe. And we have instant communication with loved ones, right? Uh, FaceTime, right? We have the ability to still be in communication, still see each other and still have a relationship that going back hundreds of years, you want to talk about loneliness and isolation. You know, if you had like a farmstead, you might never see your family if they're in another uh, city or another uh, province or state or something, right? Like that that's true isolation and loneliness versus what we're actually experiencing now. But there's just this, again, it's this perception of feeling lonely, even when we're connected 24-7. Um, and, you know, some of that connectedness probably is part of the issue, the constant bombardment of all the negativity and, you know, the news and we know all the fun politics has been going on that uh, has made all this even more interesting the past year. Um, but, um, you know, so that's the, the aspects around isolation, loneliness, and then, you know, but even before the pandemic, but more so since those of us who've still uh, been fortunate enough to still work and continue working, you know, even if we had some balance before, it kind of got worse for a period because, okay, you don't want to mess with the job. So you're going to buckle down, make sure you're doing a good job. You're going to spend some more time. You can't go out as much. Okay, I'll just work a bit more maybe. And then you end up working too much or doing too many things still from home or Casey, your case, you know, you're still going to the office, still trying to keep us, you know, food on our table. You're doing so much now because of the pandemic, you're actually starting to burn out and you're trying to, you know, manage too much and you stop uh, maybe taking care of some aspects of your health or your well-being because I just want to keep moving to make sure I'm doing something. I'm still busy. Some people have even been happy that they're doing more work during the long, uh, the lockdown. Uh, one of my um, clients I work with said, I'm glad that there's a lockdown because I'm so busy. And by the time it's done, hopefully the lockdown will be up. And it's like, that's probably not a good way of looking at things. So uh, the talking points we have for today around these concepts are, have you felt or seen the effect of them? Isolation, loneliness, burnout. Um, did this change how you live? So before the pandemic, you know, these things still existed and could have affected you, but how have things changed and what did the pandemic do to you know, affect your your day-to-day -day or your your livelihood? And finally, what happens if you don't address them? Because the way things are going with vaccines, you know, we're looking at least maybe another year of, you know, solid like ups and downs of people experiencing bouts of it. You know, the lockdowns may not be as many, but this, you know, already talks of a third one coming back, you know, in the spring. Uh, Casey, you were like up front of like, yeah, this is at least a year back when it first started. And I'm sure you have better prediction now because you're you're on the kind of the front lines and, you know, the food industry with that. So, um, you know, that's what we mean by what happens if we don't address dealing with these things. And a, a good quote I found and I think helps contextualize some of these concepts is um, by, I cannot pronounce that name. Uh, <laughs> Guillermo Maldonado. Thank you, Casey. Um, but the quote was just on point for this is that loneliness is not a lack of company. 
loneliness is a lack of purpose. And I think that's you know, a very interesting concept to think on is that you know, if, if you become a hermit and you put yourself out in the woods and you can be content and not lonely, there's something about that that says, how do these people that you know are connected and still working in that feel like they are losing connection or you know, is it just that purpose that they're not really driven to do something? So that's uh, that's the the take in how we're going to uh, explore the topic today. Got some, uh, sorry, got uh, Alex and uh, another Pierre coming in there. So um, yeah, to uh, kick things off, uh, I'd like to start off with uh, Mr. Casey, and you know, again, because of the industry, and you've seen a lot of um, you know different sides of this between yourself and the people you manage. So um, how have you felt or seen the effects of isolation and burnout? Felt the, the, the effects of isolation and burnout? Um, <laughs> let's see. Um, the effects of isolation. What I've seen is um, a, a crazy level of um, selfishness, per se. Um, I have seen over the past year, it is almost 12 months since this thing was labeled as a pandemic. And I have seen personalities of people that I've known for years completely change in the uh, in the wake of this uh, uh, pandemic people that I thought I knew for many many years uh, completely changed so I think the uh, psychological impact of the isolation has had um, an adverse effect on, on on many people that I know uh, other people that I know uh, believe it or not, Actually, now that I think about it, the introverts that I know have thrived during this pandemic. They have managed to, you know, keep pace and actually be productive uh, in light of the pandemic. It's the extroverts that I've known in my life that have had difficulty. People who, uh, frankly speaking, they're out all the time. They're um, they're, they're, they're the guys who have the selfies out, who, who are come look at me, or they've always got something to say, or they're always at every event that's out there and so forth. Those folks are the ones that are the, the extroverted folks in my life are the ones who, uh, seem to have been affected the worst, uh, by this. I've got a friend of mine that just saying, you know, he's so uninspired to do anything, uh, musically, like, uh, be it performing or producing or whatever. He's just, at this point in time, he's just uninspired and he's pivoted away to um, collapse within himself, within his home environment and just, you know, just be. And he's trying to find something to, um, like you have here, uh, loneliness is a lack of purpose. He's trying to find mm -hmm. a new purpose. Um, I like this phrase. I like loneliness is not the lack of company. Loneliness is the lack of purpose. Uh, I like that. Um, 
I, I think for me, it clearly defines uh, isolation. Me, on the other hand, um, I'm in the food industry uh, and I'm in the entertainment industry. And I have seen uh, in the food side of things, I have seen uh, some of the best of us and some of the worst of us. Um, the best of us uh, have um, think outwardly and they uh, want to protect the whole. They want to protect their family. They want to protect the people around them. And as such, they, they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're, 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 they're wearing a mask, they're washing regularly, they're distancing, they're abiding by the rules. And not in a rude way, but letting it be overt. It's out there, it's not hidden. Um, that they want to do the right thing for all those around them. Then I see the selfish people that are, you're doing this to me, right? Why is Ford doing this? Why is Trudeau doing this? They're doing this to me. We're not doing this to anybody, right? <laughs> the idea is there's a pandemic. Um, so there's a sense of entitlement where I'm not going to wear a mask. I'm not going to let you tell me what to do. Um, it's a pandemic. It's affecting everybody. What are you doing? Um, yeah. So I have seen those two sides. I have seen people take advantage of the situation. I've seen people... Uh, the line, uh, the the term used to be CERB. I don't know what it is now. Whereby uh, uh, there was there was a CERB, CERB. Uh, yeah, CERB. There's a new name for it, actually. CERB. It's oh, the just, Canada Relief Benefit. Oh, it's just CRB now. Okay. Correct. So <clears throat> the idea is that uh, I've seen people try to take advantage and go live on CRB rather yeah. than attend work. So, you know, um, we have to hire, we have to do whatever and all that kind of stuff. So taking advantage of pandemic, not necessarily something that I, I'm into as well. And then I've seen some fantastic stuff from the entertainment side of, of, of what I do with the um, DJs uh, in the city uh, and actually, quite frankly, from around the world. Um, they have all pivoted to performing online. I think it all started with, um, well, I can't say it started, but I will say uh, it was popularized by a DJ D nice out of uh, California who um, was DJing on Instagram and Michelle Obama joined the chat one day to, to listen to him. And then it just blew up. And from there, I started hearing about DJs all over the place performing uh, online on Instagram until the bot killed them all and they found different platforms. So Twitch is the new platform. Uh, it, it is the platform of choice right now for DJs to perform on. Now, some of them are just on there and, you know, they're not comfortable. They're not doing well. Others have grown and they've turned this performing online to not just an opportunity to get tips, uh, make, make a little bit of cash or something or other. They've actually turned this into a, a podcast. They've turned it into a radio show online and they've been performing really, really well and developing a huge list of followers. And I have a feeling that this will have lasting effect. It will have a lasting effect. Um, 
you can now watch DJs from around the world. I could watch Jazzy Jeff every day. Every day that he jumps on, I can see him perform. I don't need to wait for him to come to Toronto to hear him. Yeah. I could hear DJs from Europe every day. It's, it's, I think it's fantastic uh, that the community can now, uh, it, it is now globalized. It is now worldwide. Instead of people jumping on a plane and flying, you know, for hours and hours and hours and getting a hotel and all this kind of stuff, they can literally perform live in your living room. And I, and I think that will have a lasting effect. So have yeah. I seen yeah. or felt the effects? Yep. <laughs> That's definitely one industry I want to touch on because we'd hope to have a, a guest specifically uh, a little deeper in that to give us context, but you're, you're in that field still. And uh, although you didn't have to depend on it for, for your livelihood. Right. So no, those who that's... had that as like, you know, that scene, they were in trouble. Right. And the ones who've seen the opportunity to say, Hey, I don't have to stop. I don't have to give up. I don't have to just lay down and wait or find something else. They just said, let's go all in. And, you know, they've been able to, to start to find their footing and you yourself, you know, are looking into that now as just a part-time thing for fun and to, to really, you know, get a feel yeah, for it. I'm more of a hobbyist in this light, but thankfully I've had, um, you know, the nudge from uh, a lot of the DJ community in, in the greater Toronto area. But as you said, some of them have leaned right in. I mean, they, they pivoted from, having to like this was their livelihood this is what put food on the table this is what paid their mortgage and is literally gone uh, up in smoke and some of them have you know collapsed within themselves and others have just blown up and 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 uh you know if you have a favorite dj or whatever jump on a twitch and find them and and lend them support because it really is one of the only sources of income that they uh, could possibly have. So uh, I would say that. Yeah. All right. Um, Mr. Conley, if you're able to uh, jump in, um, you know, you're in an industry which can't stop as well because, you know, you're dealing with uh, electrical systems and uh, powering cities and towns. So, you know, you've had your own kind of wild ride of uh, dealing with, uh, you know, the pandemic in your own way. So how have these things uh, affected you in the past? Year? Well, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, I have a lot of friends in different, uh, you know, different stages of their life, different careers, different backgrounds, whatever. And overall, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely grateful uh, that I just happened to be in one of those kind of um, insulated industries where, you know, your, your, your business, your, uh, your livelihood really isn't overly impacted. <clears throat> it obviously made it challenging to execute these projects. Um, you know, being in a leadership position, uh, you know, how, how to protect the project, how to protect your staff um, from not just the virus itself, but, you know, the unperceived things like the mental health issues mm -hmm. and, uh, 
you know, supply chain, um, uh, you, you know, uh, issues uh, and outside forces, you know, like Casey talked about seeing people being selfish. And, uh, you know, one thing, one thing I maintained throughout the project was just that, you know, that attitude of gratitude, like the people that are part of this project, guys, you know, you have to protect your opportunity. You have to be smart about what you're doing outside of this, because we are literally one of the only projects running that's deemed essential within our company. Black and McDonald's is a big company. You know, obviously they, they serve, they service the hospitals, they service uh, the utilities. Um, but as far as major projects, we were one of the only ones that, that was able to continue um, full on. So, you know, how do you, how do you manage the mindset of your staff and steer them away from those pitfalls of, you know, like, like I said, Casey was talking about selfish, you know, yeah. what, what do you do at Christmas break when you know everyone's going to go see their family? Uh, you know, our, our staff, our people, they, they were really responsible. Um, they, uh, they did, they did what they needed to do to sacrifice, I guess, you know, cause it was, it was a message that was, that was kind of drilled from the early onsets of this, you know, whatever we got to do, protect the opportunity because your option is everyone gets sick and goes home. Uh, and you, you know, you potentially take out family members, grandparents, whatever, yeah. uh, or you just suck it up and, you know, deal with, deal with it. You stay home. Don't, uh, don't go to the Super Bowl party with your buddies and get fined a thousand dollars, you know, don't become a martyr for nothing. Right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, overall, uh, you know, work aside, there's obviously the mental health aspect of things and, um, it's, it's challenging to balance the two where, you know, your career, you need to focus on, you need to keep the wheel moving. The, the other side is, is yourself. Um, how, how do you make sure that you're taken care of and which one is more important and which one's more important right now? You know, some people are in different places, right? Some people, uh, their career, they're just, you know, it's not, it's not the be all end all, but they've put so much focus into it. Maybe the pandemic is like a pressure cooker, um, where things normally would take a really long time to surface it's put everything into a pressure cooker and, you know, things like, uh, you know, Twitch, like the industry is a more recognized social platform uh, to mainstream artists who generally rely on terrestrial forms or traditional forms of, of broadcasting. And, yeah. you know, like it's like terrestrial radio versus podcasting. You know, like all, all those things go into a pressure cooker with this pandemic, and uh, I guess at the end of the at, at the end of the day, everyone has a different barometer on on where they fall, where where the importance is on their self or or their career. But I mean, obviously, they're, they're both very important. 
but it's been an interesting juggling act of just trying to find where that dynamic is because you know I think Sean you touched on it earlier it's like you know with this pandemic I got to work my ass off I got to prove my worth I got to keep going keep moving forward uh, because like there's nothing out there there's no there's no opportunities or there's very little right so how do you balance that Um, you know again I think I've been lucky with uh, with the way things have fallen Um, personally I've kind of been um, I'm finished with that major project I've been working on. Um, I'm kind of just in a support role right now. Um, I think I've worked maybe two solid weeks in the past two months, but I'm still being compensated. So, I mean, I'm really fucking lucky, um, to be, to be in that, in that situation, uh, you know, and, and able to kind of focus on, you know, myself and Kendra and, and, you know, just puttering around uh, around the house and, uh, you know, being, uh, I don't know, my personality is kind of split down the middle. Uh, I'm, on, on one sense, I'm an introvert and the other, I'm a maniac, like, a, you know, go out and, <laughs> and, and party. So, I mean, the pandemic hasn't really affected, I don't think it's really affected me uh, over much as far as like going out or whatever. I mean, the fact that, you know, we could, as you said, jump on a call like this, that satisfies my extrovert personality, like that part of my personality, right? Like I can jump on a game with friends or family or whatever, and, you know, do some, you know, do some socializing there. Like it's, it's just, a, you have to find things that, uh, um, you know, satisfy that equation internally, you know, for those, yeah. those people that are struggling, I think they've just, they're just laser focused on the wrong narrative and you know they they just get bogged down with what they constantly see in the mainstream media and the news outlets you know they they constantly go on and on about the doom and gloom and you know my my dad reached out to me one day and said you know there's a new strain of of a virus and it's really contagious and you know all this stuff and i said dad it's not a new strain it's a variant there's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. So don't pan- like, you know what I mean? So th- this, this garbage that they're constantly spewing on people, you know, the average person isn't going to drill into or understand what the difference between a strain and a variant is. I mean, you know, they just hear that it's more contagious and, 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 and our media that it's very dangerous to uh, carelessly, you know, put that information out and, and, you know, you got to guard yourself, I guess, on how much of that you, you take in yourself. Cause uh, it's certainly, uh, I've certainly seen the effects, like, you know, give my mom shit too. stop, stop watching the news. Cause she's down, you know, she was tested yeah. COVID positive uh, a couple weeks ago and uh, you know, asymptomatic and um, you know, my, my grandma, she's 84 lives with her. Uh, so my mom isolated in the basement and, you know, she was all paranoid or whatever. I drove her to a test to get tested. So I, w- I tested negative, my, you know, everyone else tested negative. So, um, you know, you just have to manage that, that inform- information coming in. But, you know, I guess if you don't have those things, if you don't have a discipline of how you can find, uh, those 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 outlets that you need to satisfy that equation of what 
fulfills you, I guess, then, uh, you know, you, you, you're easily distracted by and, and influenced uh, from, from the, these, these media inputs. And I've seen a lot of people fall in this rabbit hole. Like, it's like they get frothed at the mouth talking about it. You know, like I speak just directly just to my family. I've seen them because, you know, you're going to see it more, obviously, in your family. But my uncle, my mom, uh, you know, they, my, my dad, yeah, it, like the media has really got a grip on, on that. I don't know if it's, an, if it's a generational thing or what it is. But it's actually a, a biological, like mental state that we just gravitate to the negative because, you know, historically... It was all the fear centers of like, something's going to attack us, something's going to hurt us, something's coming to get us. And we have no way of, like you said, putting a boundary sometimes that people just consume, consume, consume. And then they have so much of that bad information is like, of course, they're drowning. They haven't had anything positive or any way, like you said, to like inspect some of the news and be like, okay, a variant is not a string. Right. Yeah. And then it yeah. just washes over them and they're done for a day or weeks for oh, hello. <laughs> uh, something interesting you brought up which i didn't put in the context before which i liked though, was that you had to kind of work with your team and be like this is a sacrifice and i think that's such a lost concept in modern day that we feel like we just can have everything or do everything and don't have to sacrifice but it's been so common throughout history in times of you know the great depression the spanish flu the world wars in just recent history that there's always some form of sacrifice we have to perform in life and that you can just keep going on and not have to sacrifice anything is such a deluded way of looking at things. So um, how did you like kind of work with your team to actually like get them to know the difference and like be responsible? It sounds like most of them took to it, which I'm thrilled to hear, but was that a challenge? Uh, yeah. I mean, we, you know, in, in, the, in the construction field, um, it's, to, it's normal to have daily meetings in the morning. I mean, it, like any, any business or company where you talk about hazards, um, uh, you know, of, of the tasks that you're going to be performing for the day or what have you. So periodically, I would just, I would just kind of sprinkle that in, in, in one way or another, um, without beating a dead horse. Cause we had our safety group to do that. <laughs> you see, um, you know, asking all the COVID questions and all that stuff. Right. But, I, but I would bring it up in a, in a kind of a roundabout way, you know, without calling people out or, or saying, you know, this or that, um, you know, I, I'd make it, I just kind of personalize it and say, you know, like I have this situation, you know, my mom, is in her whatever and and my grandma lives with her and you know so for me like i for me to expose them like i it, it terrifies me the, the thought of bringing that home to them and killing them you know and i said you know i can control that you know with with um working uh and, and having an opportunity you look around i talked about um friends that I have that are in the restaurant and uh, retail industries. Um, one, of, one of my friends uh, owns all the uh, Firkin pubs and uh, his son owns Spin and uh, the Greenwood, a couple of restaurants. They are absolutely decimated. And I told them the story, like I, you know, I 
I brought it up a few times and I, I brought up different stories of other friends that have businesses that have completely lost all their businesses. They've lost their house and they're basically, they have nothing because of, you know, all of these outside factors you can't control. I said, the only thing we can control is how we contribute or not. Right. So stay the fuck home, <laughs> you know, do just do the right thing. Right. Yeah. Minim- uh, minimize, I- minimize your, your exposures to people outside of, uh, outside, outside of your normal groups, you know, like KC, I see on a regular, and I think that's been good for both of us, you know, yep. get, get, gets, uh, get some out of the house and see some, some people and, you know, we're kind of in our own little bubble or whatever, but, uh, you know, I know he takes his position very seriously. And I, and I was the same on, uh, you know, getting that exposure within the group. So I think it was just came from a place of leading by example um, and uh, spreading that message. You know, you showing all these pictures about you, you know, going to this place and that place and whatever, like you're connected on social media, people are going to find out what you're doing. So if you're telling them something, mm-hmm and they see something different, then they're like, okay, well, fuck this guy. I'm just going to go and see all these people too. Sounds yeah. like Ted Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He wishes he was still in Mexico, apparently. <laughs> Asshole. Uh, uh, one thing I'd say on the, the south of people who do end up seeing too many people, and then you're easily able to spot it on social media. So maybe like, yeah, I'm not going to see you. Like, you don't respect it. Uh, we we saw uh, my wife and I, a couple friends over the summer, social distance, masks on, you know, outside stuff. And there was another friend that was going to come along and he had started partying with people. And they're like, yeah, you're not coming with us because we can't trust yeah. you and come in to see us, their friends. And yeah. you know, so it's just, yeah. And that you humanized it, I think, is probably the key thing of like, you know, hey, I, I got these worries too. I got family. You know, I want to keep them safe. And but um, yeah. Well, the and, goal is uh, to keep your bubble uncompromised. When in those t- kind of situations where your bubble has been compromised, um, you know, you got to apply uh, restrictions. You got to apply disciplinary action for the people who do not want to follow the program. They need to be put in timeout, kind of thing. Um, yeah. That's that's the way I put it. Um, you know, when it comes to uh, you know. Mr. Connolly over here. Yeah, I, 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 he, he has always maintained a, a level of integrity when it came to who he socializes with so that the bubble remains intact. So I visit, you know, regularly. And if I go to visit anybody else, meaning if I go to see any of the other DJs, I don't see them for the week in between. I got to go two weeks to make sure I'm clean before I go and see them again. And, and I've maintained that. Anytime I go downtown, I don't go up the next weekend. I, I wait for two weeks uh, to make yeah. sure I'm clean. Yeah, it was like when I, when I took my mom to uh, get COVID tested, I, I directly, I intentionally exposed myself, obviously, you know, to, to that. And then when she was positive, uh, I, did, I did two COVID tests. I did one to verify that, you know, it didn't, like, I, I was eliminating through my own contact tracing was eliminating the possibility that you gave it was it exposed. To right. Yeah. That, that I gave it to her and then right. KC would have been exposed. Right. So right. I, I eliminated that. And then I did a follow-up test just to see if 
the exposure I had with her actually, you, you know, everything was negative, but you know, you, you do, you set these, you know, parameters or conditions for yourself. And I think, you know, with, through leadership, you know, your, your team, your team will see that. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, like, the last thing you want to do is, okay, I know KC goes and sees his, the priest and he's got a compromised immune system. So, you know, to be socially yeah, responsible, I'm, too. Yeah. I'm, I'm testing, I'm testing for him too. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I mean, at, at the end of the day, if this thing was just a big game, whatever, it's a learning experience. Uh, you know, we know what to do for the big one when everyone's eyes start bleeding and falling <laughs> out, but uh <clears throat> <laughs> it's already real more real than people give it credit and that's a, the sad that's part right. of it is the yeah. that's selfish what about me like Casey started talking about it's like I, I think most of the men agree it's a hard thing for us to understand and really process because we just we're not worried like that but uh, let's go over to uh, Mr. Brigance you can uh, <clears throat> jump in here brother and give us some some insights on you know what you've seen and how this has affected you definitely a much different industry where that face-to-face -face is kind of like essential in some respects for the business and like landing deals. So like, you know, how's the isolation burn up and, and affecting you? Oh. oh man, that's, uh, I've just been listening to you men who studied. Um, just, um, yeah, I guess we've learned a couple of things. Um, I'm going to start with, you know, it's, it's interesting. A year prior, um, the industry were, as you mentioned, just, heavily involved into like you need to go on to handshakes and just talk to people and just you know i think your eq is really important um i've learned over the years just kind of to maybe fade away from this because it's also who you are and who you want to attract um i think even though just human connection is still remains important because people not going to or willing to do lots of big business with you unless they just they see your face um we we've been pretty good um and i think two things i've learned like might be similar um it's just a essential stuff right so what is really essential like we scrapped our business from um being like in the face and just go on meeting clients and just doing all this socializing and client dinners and just like you know discussing going on the sites and doing different things in, in commercial real estate industry or just like you know in big deal making in commercial real estate that's been essential for many, many, many years. So now I've been really forced um, for the past year, just look into what actually is important. Like, you know, is it important to sit down with client and just have a bunch of dinners until we figure out what exactly, who wants and what's the goal? No. So how we can adjust it in such a way so we still can hit the, the main purpose of like, you know, I guess the transaction. And for myself, it helped to understand what man I want to be and what actually I'm contributing to society or community with my skills, you know, because I think lots of, lots of guys in the industry, um, they kind of get completely misled um, or misstitched, like, you know, the, what, what, what it actually we need to be doing, right? So lots of them about like, you know, I want to be a show horse and just show people like how successful I am and just kind of match their profile rather than just what kind of skills and values are going to deliver to them. So for me, it was just really, this is a big defining moment just to sit down and think, okay, well, what I'm actually bringing to the table outside of this like awesome times and handshakes and the, like dinners, 
like what actually my client is there for. So, and, and it's funny for me, the, the, the answer was right away, just there was like relationship and loyalty, right? So it's like, which in our industry is becoming less and less or became less through like, I guess, social media and socializing. It's just more about like who I can trust. And the trust is not necessarily like, you know, face-to-face and all those dinners. It's just like, it really like keeping those integrity and commitments or agreements. And Casey, I know you like to talk about four agreements. I think this is just maybe like perfect uh, scenario to talk about it. Like I really like once through this with my team, we realized, okay, this is integrity. How are we delivering what we're promising? Like how in, uh, how are we delivering our word? If we said something, when we deliver it. So no excuses. If I said two weeks, we're delivering in two weeks. So we shifted all our business models. So we, we actually doubled, well, not double, we actually almost tripled the business last year. And not because everybody wants to sell, but we really wanted to, to figure out how we can become more efficient and what we can do for the people in the time like this. Um, and um, it was really difficult for myself because A, it, it's good. It's like you're living your business life and B, it's you're living your family life. And right now building my own family, just realizing how important, like, you know, just, like shift those two like you could be excited and i guess great feeling healthy on one aspect but you could be miserable and completely you know suffering on on the family level so yeah. just really figure out how how it goes hand in hand so like here is the business we figure out the efficiency was the business now we're getting so much business but like how i'm not suffering or my family is not suffering like internally my little family I'm building, like how just my partner doesn't feel neglect, neglected and how we, we're both making sure we're okay. Psychologically going through this time where it's only two of us, like working from the same home, um, basically <laughs> living in the same home. So like this yeah. is where, you know, I guess the new aspect which became is like, you know, when, when you can separate the environment and go from home and to office and you can leave your work there. So here through pandemic, we've learned like, you know you kind of you work and live in the same place and sleep and entertain yourself in the same place and that's been a big aspect for me i think it was just really first couple months were really really stressful i couldn't fucking really figure out what to do just are we are we like you know just um might be missing something or just might be we're not paying attention to to something and obviously like also in combination with what Connolly just mentioned is like like looking at some people in our circle and say who's responsible and who's essential to our life, who is really good influence, who is bad influence, because yeah. this is one of those essential things where you're like, okay, now we know what, what is essential in the business. Now we know what's essential in relationship, but now we're also looking who we can bring to this bubble, which also became a new term for us before I would make fun of people saying, oh, you're living in your own bubble. Right, so you're kind of isolated from the world, and and here here I am creating my own bubble, where just I really I need to start from scratch, saying what essential things in my bubble, like what am I doing for business, what I'm doing for family, and who I'm allowing into this bubble, influencing my life, like and that includes exactly what just Connolly mentioned, like news, how I can eliminate all this garbage because I already have enough stress, and how I can allow certain people who who have business to talk about this things just to to discuss the topics which 
which makes sense, right? So like, instead of listening all those clowns on the social media about like how all this happening and just talk to doctors, talk to people in, in the industry who, who is actually boots on the ground can tell you what's going on and what you need to pay attention to. I think those three big things, which I, I found it was just like from, from my experience and, and really, I would say just to my finish it, working on the strengths of mind and just like being spiritually strong, like in the way of like um, really training myself, like, okay, um, all the things essential considered, how I can just go back and just find the peace and what I got, being grateful for what I got. Right. So like just meditation, daily routine, which was, I think lots of people failed, like the minute it's all COVID started, um, people were kind of mixed as like, oh, I cannot go to the gym. I cannot just continue doing like my healthy lifestyle. Oh, I cannot just go and just do do certain things. And we, we like really needed to reinvent this and say, okay, that's fine. So now I still need to go with the same schedule. I don't need to wake up like right now at 10 a.m. I still need to continue with my like 5.30, 6am, regardless that nobody's on the street, nobody's going anywhere, regardless that I don't need to be in the traffic for the next like one hour. And, and that was also a big redefining moment saying, okay, this is just, as long as I know myself, I'm true to myself, true to my purpose, these things should exist regardless. And might be throw the garbage, which we kind of like put because it's, it's comfortable and because everybody is doing this. Um, and really eliminate all this um, and that just I think that was just big experience from my life um, and really I guess the final like I think Connolly was talking about right now the business opportunities being more flexible I find this like my old school German machine like which is kind of get used to like don't change it unless it doesn't work like I think I'm like beginning of pandemic becoming really proactively like efficient at doing certain things and just minimizing it still became as like well now i have to be flexible like if most revenue before would come from transactions so now we're looking at the revenue which could be like from uh consulting and it could be led to might be relocating to certain places and just working in in certain um provinces where i didn't work before right so i think it just this created like you know view where it's like as long as I'm focused on my purpose. As long as I'm focused on what I'm good at and just delivering those um, those skills to people, I don't care where I am, as long as we're all taken care of. So this just really, I think, made me in certain respects stronger. And I think, yeah, our little grown family stronger as well. Thank you, man. No. Hey, you know, it, 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 something you just said uh, brought, some, brought something up. Uh, um, you know, with with all this pandemic stuff, uh, it's almost like there's two there's two groups of of people now, uh, like in the workforce, those who actually have to physically be, you know, on on location, and those who can do things remote. And I think it's interesting what's happening. The people that can do their work remote, they're in a massive pool of competition now, because I think people and employers are starting to look at, well, I don't need to hire someone from Toronto to work on a Toronto business. I can hire someone from England. So now your competition, you know, there's, there's, there's 
a huge range of things that have, you know, I think is another stressor for people. Um, I don't know. I wanted to jump in on that too, because Brogant said, you know, there's two sides to this. Uh, So I'm going to go back to the Brogant's piece in one sec, but Connolly, where you're talking about, um, you know, the fact that there, there are so many people that can work from home. The strange thing is, if you look at like Yahoo, Yahoo a little while ago told people they didn't want them working from home. They wanted them to come into the office and work uh, back when they were pivoting, when they were they were doing very, very poorly and they decided to um, try to pick everything up. I can't remember the name of the lady who ended up going in there as CEO, but she ended up starting to bring people back to the office so that she could increase the productivity because when the folks were working at home, you know, certain amount of, and don't forget, it's not in a lockdown. Discipline. Yeah. Right. So in a lockdown situation, they can't go anywhere. So pretty much they're working when we're not in lockdown. Who knows if they're out shopping while they're supposed to actually be working in the office and so forth. And I know there are different monitors that, uh, you know, Homer and Pierre can probably talk about different monitors that you can see if the guy's actually doing any keystrokes or is actually producing anything for work. But, um, I found it interesting that, uh, um, that Yahoo was trying to get people back into the office. And here we are in a, in a, in a situation with the pandemic where people are starting to look broadly and and at a global scale, kind of as Connolly has pointed out, whereby now working from home has become a huge pool and you can basically draw on talent from anywhere in the world now to work for your business. So I find that fantastic. Brogant said something about uh, paying attention to the different stuff in the news and and deciding, filtering what it is that you want to listen to. I had folks come to me because, you know, I'm a high-ranking person at my firm and I've had, you know, some of the younger folks or, or so forth come up to me with, uh, you know, some of the conspiracy thinking that uh, COVID's not real. And uh, how did they manage to come up with a vaccine so fast? So, you know, they can't find a cure for AIDS. Well, they actually did. It's quite expensive, but yes, you know what I mean? They, they can't find a cure for cancer. Well, they do, but the idea is... I'm, I'm always asking, like, you know, when I'm listening to those people, I'm saying, like, when they get enough time in their day to do those things, right? Yeah. So we're, you know like, if, I mean? you, if, you, if you boil down to essential stuff, like, you're like... There's no fucking way like you can just really absorb all this. Um, if I may touch on one more thing, it just um, reminded me uh, when when it's all started, like, and we still, like, I remember we were trying to figure out because I have quite a bit of work where I need to go to the site and meet client and still we, like, you know, like on big development right. projects, I need to be at the site. Yep. And w- because this stress where I need to be still like taking responsibility to continue my work partially like being there like with people and just wearing masks but create the stress internally in the family where um my my girlfriend would say well listen like i'm not comfortable you going anywhere because like you yeah. know just it's it, it, you know it just that was just crazy part because really and re- realizing if if you're on your own you single you're like oh, i don't care but when you have responsibility when you like oh i have another human being to care about and she's not comfortable with me going how am i working on this I remember it was just big, big aspect. I was like, okay, how I can do it in such a way where obviously I'm not putting her in the danger and just in the full integrity of what I'm doing. It was just really, really weird because I found it was a mix 
and still there is quite a bit of mixed message when you go to the site, especially like construction industry, which remained essential through all this COVID time. Um, which find interesting, like we, I would go to the site and lots of guys kind of like, you know, 50-50 on this, right? So you go and they just, they don't care. They're like, they've been working through all pandemic. They just kind of, I guess, still with all the regulations, they loosey-goosey with this. And and you trying to remain like really cautious about this and, and almost like some, some people just making fun of it. They're like, oh, we don't care about this thing anymore, right? So just, it was really interesting aspect of humanity to see how people like being who they are just, or like just maintaining this integrity. We're just kind of saying, oh, like whatever, this is my view, I don't care. And which would push me to think, okay, well, again, another thing, what type of clients, what type of friends I want to have around me and how we can readjust my circle. That was just, I never thought about this. It just it really almost like when it threatens the health of people you love, you kind of saying, holy, like I need to really readjust who I'm hanging out with. Yeah, so that sounds like you're sliding into the <laughs> second point there where did it change how you live? But um, just before we jump off of the, the effects, is, I told the folks that are coming with the conspiracy stories, I don't want to see it. I don't want to know about it. And the reason is I'm responsible for every person that works in this business, their health and welfare while they're at work. If I start giving in to these conspiracy theories that COVID doesn't exist, if I even start thinking that way, the whole thing is lost and the whole site will be compromised. So they had to respect that. And, and it was cool that they actually said, I get it. I respect that. And they haven't brought the conspiracy theory nonsense to me anymore about, you know, Bill Gates caused it and, uh, you know, COVID's not real and it's not really a, 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 a cure or, or whatever that they, a vaccine that they've gotten all kinds of, they stopped bringing that to me because again, if I take my eye off the ball, over 800 people are going to be affected. And, and, and then the nation yeah. to a larger part with what you're doing brother. So yeah, yeah absolutely. So well, um, part to that too, right? Like you, you, you have to carry that narrative because in a way your narrative has to be congruent with what the government is saying in public health. Yep. Right. Because yep. of the type of business you're in, if you start going against that, you will become the enemy and they'll fucking, they'll make an example out of you. Oh yeah. I'll get fined. Absolutely. If not put in jail. Yeah. 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 John, what do you got? So I'm going to merge question one and two together um, and uh, kind of start with two leading into one. Uh, so I, like Pierre, uh, had worked from home for a number of years before this pandemic started. So the initial you know, switch uh, didn't really affect us directly because we're working from home. That's, that's the way we operate. And, um, you know, there's a lot of interesting things I'd say about working from home that have come up now and changing the look at how we work globally, as Chris was mentioning, you know, there's a certain aspect like the Yahoo example where they're trying to get people back in because they weren't disciplined, but, you know, working from home and discipline are kind of two different things. So when you first start doing it, yeah, there's a bit of like, hey, maybe you are like cutting your day a bit, going shopping, coming back and working a bit later, but it's if you already have the integrity, like the discipline will be there enough that you're getting your work done. You're showing the results. You're seeing the performance, right? It's just a matter of like, 
if you're working from home and you're not getting results, well, there's no discipline and they could be doing those things. But whether you're having them sit in a seat and try and monitor them with like things that show webcams and they have to be in front of it and they can't go to the washroom for too long or they have to watch their keystrokes, that is such malicious, malicious, just uh, literal of like having to be holding an employee to the desk. It's, it's not healthy and it's not, uh, you know, during a pandemic, a very effective way, I think, to motivate people because, you know, mm-hmm. not only do they have to keep the job moving against performing, you. but like, it's like, if I take too long in the washroom, they're going to start to give complaints against me. It's like, maybe I have stomach issues or, hey, I'm stressed out because of COVID and, you know, one of my relatives is sick. Now I'm, you know, throwing up or like, it's just... There's these little things that employers think are going to help and help people stay honest, right, and truthful. But I, I find most of that are the employers that are coming from a place of fear, that they don't trust their employees, that they don't have a way of simply keeping track of the quality of work they have coming through to know, yeah, they're working. You see their results. And, you know, like uh, many of them are probably working harder than you even realize. Maybe they are doing extra hours beyond the days, right? to still get things done and like you know as long as the person has that integrity they'll be responsible they'll they'll pick the right amount of time make sure they're getting in their days hours or a bit more or if one day they have to cut a bit less because something emergency came up guess what they're going to pick it up and make sure that it still gets done they're not going to just slack off right um so that's a certain flexibility i think uh, i hope will be more considered as these companies are transitioning because some are either now permanently switching to remote or at least permanently offering the option, which may not have before. And the reasons why I think culturally it's a very positive thing for us around the world is like, you know, you had to work in certain cities because you had to go to the job in that city versus I can do that job from, you know, anywhere in the world. Right. So if I want to do my current job and I, at some point choose to you know live in costa rica or something maybe that's a possibility if i'm somewhere where i can uh, have the services utilities to make sure i can do my job in a reasonable manner that's a much different mindset than i can only work in toronto because that's where the high-tech job is that i have to be in that office i have to fight the traffic i have to deal with all that stress so you know it's uh, it's all a give and take and there's some people who do have that need or extroverted enough or just need that uh, exit of the house. Some people need to leave their house to actually be productive. You know, they, they can't, they can't just be responsible on their own, which is uh, odd in some ways I would say, but you know, for them, it's that routine is so fixed and they need that to happen. So they want to go back to work and, you know, by rights, if they want that option, I think that's so reasonable, but you know, businesses that have offices now have been sitting there vacant for how many months, right? And they're just throwing away the, the money for rent and leasing and stuff. And that could be resources allocated to more employees, to better benefits or incentives or other things to help keep the business going. So I think businesses moving forward, uh, you know, the businesses that don't have to have the bodies there, you know, to run the business, they're going to have to think about how to keep running these effectively to keep people interested to keep the right talent or to even find like chris was saying as well like if somebody in england's better than somebody here and you know the money works i'd, I'd rather get the guy from england because i can see the quality of work that he can do so i'm going to have a better employee for it or you know anywhere else in the world that 
depending on pay scale, sometimes, um, you know, you could have someone have a, be uh, allocated a bit less money, but have a lot of money in their country, right? And they have a very good place then from when they're working uh, to people in other places in the world. And you can kind of still balance things out with uh, the payroll and stuff. That So there's a lot of aspects from the pandemic that's forced, you know, these businesses, I think, to look at this and for the person. So <clears throat> having worked from home for so many years, my biggest problem as someone, everyone on this call knows, is having some boundaries and not working too much sometimes. And with, uh, you know, the, hey, I'm in a safe industry, like uh, Chris, you know, just realized, hey, I'm insulated, like the web industry, we ain't going anywhere, right? We're only continuing to grow. So I had some of that safety, but at the same time, okay, well, I still, you know, you don't want to rock the boat because, hey, you have this job and yes, the field's opening up, but there's stability and this isn't a time to mess with stability, right? You know, for the first time ever during the pandemic, I actually have three months back pay in savings now as a cushion, which is something I never had before. And, you know, so it started making me think about some of those essential things like Burgans is talking about, like reflecting on, okay, and then, you know, seeing friends and family, well, I've seen family in very sparse things, but I haven't seen most of you guys as friends because I'm just keeping very, very isolated. And uh, the first lockdown didn't go anywhere at all, not even like to a park. And only with this one do we do something different of like going for groceries and then going for a long drive. And that's our kind of like getting out or, you know, if we're up for it, we will go for a walk somewhere on a hike now because that was open this time, but the first uh, pandemic lockdown in spring, they basically said, don't even go to a park. So we took that very seriously. And this is where the, the effects of how, you know, the isolation got to me at first was, you know, I had the brave face and I'm like, yeah, you know, it's no different. I'm used to this. I can work on stuff and I'm not traveling, uh, you know, every other weekend to the city potentially. So great. I'm going to be able to get some more projects done. And you know, that positive thinking worked for a little bit, but then um, started to adversely affect my wife and, uh, you know, the restrictions and all that, and not being able to, to go out and do the things that we'd regularly do. And then, you know, uh, like Brianza saying, when you're working with a partner and, you know, as much as you insulate yourself and protect your mood and your behavior, you know, it will start to affect you, right? How they're feeling, especially if they're they're down and you want to do something to try and lift their spirits in that and you really can't or it's not very easy to 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 aid them in that way you know starts to wear on you and then just being busy with work again so in the spring yeah there was a point where things got pretty heavy and I actually for the first time uh, sought out some uh talking to a therapist online which is something I've never done in the past and it's not something I've been against outright, but I just never felt I was at that point. And I got to the point where I'm like, yeah, I, I probably need some extra help. And then through to the fall, you know, I've been working with a naturopath over the past year to, to look at uh, improving some things and then still getting to a point where, okay, you know, everything settled back to being productive and doing some stuff on the side, but not really still doing the things that I want to do that that purpose right and being actually productive at it and i started another form of therapy hypnotherapy and that helped me 
start to stabilize mentally again and specifically dealing with stress and um, some of the health issues around like actual uh, having too much cortisol, like the stress hormone. I was basically waking up already stressed, too stressed, and then I'd be stressed through the day. And it wasn't until I got sick in October where I got to work. Uh, I only took one day off, two half days, and I worked while sick. It wasn't COVID. But um, I was so dead tired from working an eight-hour day while sick. I'm like, oh, so this is how hard it is when I'm not sick. <laughs> like, it's just that recognition of like, okay, I'm actually you know, taking on a lot on a regular basis that I think is normal. And, you know, talk about the idea of normalcy, you know, in the pandemic and people think stuff we were doing before the pandemic was normal and that's acceptable is the same thing that hit me when I was sick is like, okay, this isn't normal. This amount of stress and then, you know, not being able to do the things I want after work, there's a reason why I'm not dealing with the stress. It's just going inside, internal, into the bones, into the organs. I'm like, I got to fix this. And that's the biggest thing that the the change that I've seen to the pandemic is it's actually accelerated. You know, a pressure cooker example is perfect to call me of like, okay, I've been waiting long enough. I'm not getting any younger to start doing the shit that I want to do with my life and actually be productive outside of the job. Uh, still be diligent and nail the job and be responsible as a manager, but not stop the other things. and through the therapy and now into this year, the beginning of the year, it's been a very positive and, you know, effective year for me so far, making a lot of uh, things that I want to take place happen. And, um, you know, it's, we're in lockdown number two and there was literally almost no blip beyond being a little overworked again due to some project deadlines. There, there's no real effect like there was a year ago because of the work that I've been doing. So, you know, that's where I see, you know, I've come out of the pressure cooker and uh, I'm not overdone. So <laughs> uh, let's take this question over to you now, Casey. The, you know, how has things changed? You know, because you, you're one of the few who was still going into the office, but that in itself was a change. And, you know, there's some interesting things that started happening when that first lockdown, you know, you're driving on like a dead street. Like talk about, you know, that stuff and where you are now. Um, sorry. Um, really and truly, uh, when the lockdown occurred, you know, you see uh, nobody on the street. You realize, and, and, you know, back to your loneliness is not a lack of company. At that point, it was like, where is everybody? Um, I still had great purpose, clearly, um, getting food and drugs out nationally, uh, for shoppers, drug Martin Loblaws, but, um, you know, the, the, the purpose was, was great and, and the need to make sure that you're at work and looking over these people is, is huge. Um, our first case of COVID occurred on April the 2nd last year whereby the person um, had tested positive on March the 31st. He got the results on April the 2nd and told us about it. At that point in time, it was crazy. It was mayhem. It was, oh my God, 84 people walked out of the building right then and there, saying that the building was unsafe. Um, 
and managing the aftermath of that situation, visiting every shift, uh, because what they do is shift work there and visiting every shift and, uh, I guess, uh, making sure that I have face to face contact with people, a constant communication over and over as, as, as Connolly was describing earlier, whereas every day during the, the morning talk and so forth with the team, um, you know, you're giving the message of, uh, stay safe, uh, isolate, uh, uh stay clean, like uh, sanitize and all this type of, it was, it was, it was pretty hard in the beginning having to repeat these messages, wading into the unknown because, uh, you know, they didn't understand the, the sheer severity of it until the death number started to come in. And, um, you know, you're getting conflicting information, be it from the Americans, the Canadians, the Europeans, the, you know, there was information coming from everywhere and who knows what the right thing to do is. So, um, yeah, the beginning of the lockdown was, uh, highly stressful. Um, and yeah, it did affect, uh, the personal life whereby, you know, how did, did this change your life and, and so forth? Did it change how I lived a little bit? Uh, I won't say overly because, uh, to begin with, I'm a bit of an introvert anyway. So, um, you know, the idea of, of kind of isolating yourself was not so, uh, foreign, to me, whereas it would be for others, I guess. Um, so that side of it was, was okay. Uh, it was the level of stress that, as you just mentioned, taking that home, um, I found myself out of the gym and had to force myself back into the gym and so forth just to keep healthy. Um, and frankly, a lot of people not being able to go to the gym was, uh, was uh, a part of the mental wellness part that, uh, Chris was talking about earlier as well. Um, cause you know, as you work out, as you get the blood flowing, oxygen flowing through your system, uh, you clear your mind uh, and, and without that as an outlet, um, a lot of people have suffered for me personally, just mental exhaustion by the time you get home from a long day of work, trying to get that stuff through was draining. Couldn't even see myself underneath a bar trying to, you know, lift it. Uh, by the time I got home, I would pass out. So that was life last year. Um, second lockdown was uh, easier and harder, easier in the sense that uh, everything was routine. Um, and and uh, I, I had been in the gym. Uh, harder was uh, it had far reaching effects because the second lockdown occurred around Christmas, really. And, and it's where everybody couldn't stay away from their families. How did it affect change the, how they lived? They couldn't stay away. Uh, and, and as a result, you saw a big spike happen during the holiday season. And we've just managed to get out of um, that challenge here. Uh, as we went through the Christmas holidays and so forth, again, I found myself out of the gym because, you know, the stress level again and so forth. So... It's, 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 it's kind of a topsy-turvy situation, this, um, this uh, pandemic, this lockdown situation. Um, at the, in the end, uh, just relying on friends and family, really, to uh, keep my head straight and keep me in the game, uh, keep me active and, 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 and sane. Um, and, and I'm grateful for, for that because, you know, as I said, I've seen people 
completely changed. They're like different people now entirely. So that's, uh, that's, uh, how it changed how I lived. <laughs> All right. Um, Mr. Conley, and uh, again, you went from being physically on a job site and now, uh, as you said, very little of that in the, the past couple of months due to changes. So how has this affected your livelihood day to day? Yeah. I mean, uh, from March of 2020, I was uh, traveling back and forth from here to Texas, working on a project. Uh, it was probably one of the most stressful projects I've ever been a part of. It was a complete fucking disaster. Um, you know, having having that level of stress up already, and uh, in uh, December 2019, kind of watching the pen, uh, well the early stages of the pandemic unfold in China, you know, thinking, geez, this could go really bad. Like I'm traveling back and forth. They might shut the border down and having a conversation with the project team, uh, you know, living out of a suitcase, all, all of that stuff. Fast forward, border shut down, uh, you know, getting sick, like really sick. I think I had COVID in, uh, in January. Um, and then, you know, having the, the early stress of how do you execute a project in the middle of a pandemic lockdown, right? KC obviously has a, a lot of experience and knowledge on, um, you know, pandemic management. I think a lot of companies had pencil whipped policies um, and uh, trying to figure out how to effectively execute uh, something that's practical you know, the level of stress in the early stages um, of the pandemic operating, uh, you know, out of town. Obviously, I went from Texas to Sarnia, much closer to home. Stress mm -hmm. levels came, came down in that sense. Um, you know, we obviously have new stress with, you know, launching a mega project uh, and uh, inside of a pandemic. Uh, we also relocated, so we moved. We, uh, I think we got really fucking lucky, to be honest. <clears throat> um, uh, I've wanted to move out of the city for three to five years or more. I don't know, I can't remember. Uh, Kendra obviously was concerned about her business. Um, mm -hmm. we, and, and in the middle of this pandemic, I guess it, things just kind of aligned. <clears throat> and uh, so I had to renovate. Uh, our our house in the beach and we found this place uh, so we bought this place and then I rented out well Kendra rented out our place in the beach that was so fucking stressful and you know that was right in the middle of uh, July I think June July like I was up to here my project manager actually had a fucking meltdown like he went to the hospital because he just it was just so much going on uh, so we got all this stuff sorted out and, uh, you know, that was when those two idiots were chasing each other in the beaches with chainsaws. They were all covered in blood. You know, the, the city was just exploding with, with chaos, yeah. you know, and, and the, the, the neighborhood seemed to be going in the shithole. We did the transition, moved here, got established, kind of set up and, you know, going full circle, 
going out into my backyard, which backs onto a golf course, you know, there's trails there. Like my wife and I just cut a huge trail yesterday. We, we were like an hour and a half. We walked through the golf course, like two feet of snow, snowshoeing with the dog, you know, getting that blood up, you know, like Casey was talking about going to the gym or whatever. Um, you know, having those, that access, you know, you're not waiting for an elevator for 20 minutes so you can go to work because, you know, you can't <laughs> go more than one person in an elevator because of the pandemic or whatever the hell the rules are in, in the city. Um, it's been a huge change. <clears throat> um, I don't know what the fuck is in my throat. Sorry. Um, it's, uh, I don't normally drink coffee, so that's probably... Anyway, um, so you're you're in Jackson Point, which is a far cry from the beaches, and you know, yeah. just talking about not so much even the exercise aspect, but your connection to nature, right? So you you literally have a backdoor to nature now, which oh, yeah. where you live yeah. didn't exist. Yeah, there's... Like you had you had the beach, which is a form of nature, but it's a very artificial versus like you just have the woods and you can just walk and like oh yeah like there's deer there's 150 acres behind me of uh protected wild like uh protected uh forests and whatever and uh there's five there's five or six acres of wooded area directly behind me and there's deer and coyote and fucking rabbits everywhere and all that stuff so yeah i mean it's uh you know, just being away from the city, like, you know, I, I guess you can relate it to something like a, like a nucleus. You have your electrons and protons. Uh, the closer you are to the nucleus, like the hub of the city, Toronto, like I'm only an hour away, but things move a little differently out here. Like the farther away you get from that, that, that nucleus, you know, things move a little slower. It seems like everyone is a lot friendlier. It's not as hectic. People aren't like frothing at the mouth, like at the gas station or, you know, like cutting you off for no reason. Like all yes. that stuff is, is, is a lot less. So it's definitely helped. I think it was the perfect time to like I, the timing just worked out. I think if I was going at the level I was, uh, I probably would have had a fucking uh, a shooting rampage or something. <laughs> It's almost like humans are better off a little isolated from each other after all, isn't it? Well, yeah, like, you know, <laughs> I, I, lived, I lived for 10 years with people on either side of me. And, uh, you know, now I can watch The Expanse with my subwoofer on and all the speakers <laughs> going and Kendra's going, why is the couch shaking? I'm like, because we can do it. <laughs> 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 but yeah, li like living on top of each other, uh, you know, I, it, it's interesting. There's, uh, it's almost like a, a line of, of acceptance where society and democracy can run if all of these things are met, if these criteria are met, it keeps it above the line and everyone is okay, we can, we can, we can be cordial, whatever. As soon as the pandemic hit, all of those conditions just blew up gone and now it's like okay now you're going to see human nature because now it's fight or flight now it's people are losing their income they're losing the stability of what their life looks like and you know people people just couldn't handle that you know like those two guys with the chainsaws like what the fuck what the actual fuck was that right um so the the, the quality of living within that city just nosedived 
nosedive. Yeah. Like my na- my neighborhood went went to sh- went to shit in a handbasket. Like you know, when the homeless people, like literally, you know, we had relationships with these people. Like uh, they literally said, "Yeah, the neighborhood is going to hell." And it's like, wow, when the homeless people are telling you the neighborhood's going to hell, like there's some serious problems. Like that, that's that's messed up. Yeah. So. Um, it, for, for, for me to relocate here, it was just a timely um, luck, uh, maybe a little bit of luck, um, but it's definitely, uh, it's definitely been a nice change to, you know, come to your own space and, uh, you know, Kendra and I have our own offices as well for working from home. So she has her office set up in the basement and I have uh, an office set up in, on the on the top floor so you know managing relationships i mean we have a really good relationship as it is like we're really good partners um but you know again living within the city like in a condo like you're in a six seven hundred square foot place and no matter where you are in that place you see that person all the time Mm -hmm. i can see why people are having issues with their relationships like there's no there's no break there's no disconnect there so again we have the space we can go for walks. We can, you know, close the door. I don't have to look at her. <laughs> and I, I, we were in Iris and I, the one bedroom apartment for seven years. And yeah, for the last year or so, uh, working from home together, half a year before we got the house. And it was like, you know, we're, we're like you and Kendra, you know, get along really well and, you know, have no issues seeing each other, you know, 24 seven kind of thing. But uh, we still have our own space now and our own separate offices. And just, yeah. you know, having that separation makes a bit of that mental space as well to just know that yeah. when you want to focus, right? Because like if you're doing some work that you just don't want to be disturbed, like it's even you're disturbing them too. if They're trying to relax and like you're stressed. <laughs> so if you can separate that so you can be stressed in your own room you know, yeah. for a time, right? It lets them still do their own thing. They're not affected the same way of like that yeah. one room. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, we all know my wife is uh, loud, and you know, in the in the kitchen if she's talking or whatever. At Hammersmith, in my old place, uh, there was no escape. Like I'd have to put on like uh, you know my my headphones and close the door and put like blankets over the door, right? But no, it's uh... <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's definitely it's definitely better. So. All right, man. Thanks. Uh, Rogans, I'll throw it back to you to answer question two and three here together. So uh, I think you already touched on, you know, some of the ways things have changed, but uh, if there's anything else you have around that point, and then, you know, what happens if you don't stay focused on the essentials or the important stuff as things continue? Well, man, um, yeah, as I said, we, we adjusted quite a bit. Uh, I think <laughs> relating to Connolly's point, like I, we living, well, in one of my buildings, like we, we have a unit on the top, which is two bedroom apartment. And it's crazy. Like one, like most of the time before I used to be in the office. Now we're just working from home and just really sharing like bedroom. One bedroom is like sleeping space. Another bedroom is like our office and switching between kitchen and another bedroom, like both of us just to, to do all work, it's been really challenging. <laughs> just really 
I think adjusting to this and being comfortable, like, you know, or being more patient with each other saying, okay, no problem. Like you do this, I do that. Um, and I would say just really working out and um, like and before I was, I was thinking just, you need the gym to work out. Now I don't care. Like whether you like in the gym, whether you like back home, like you can do this, whatever you committed to, no problem. Like no disturbance to anyone. And I think this is big, awesome. Um, I guess stories we're telling ourselves is like, oh, I, can, I only can do the work in the office or I can only do workout in the gym. It's like, no, this is not true. You can do it anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just as long as you define what, what's the most important. Um, and I think, again, the work, as I already mentioned, like lots of work we shifted online and um, just really, I think I found the big uncomfortable part was like everybody switched to the zoom calls zoom skype google teams and all this crazy stuff which i've never really used before except like calling my family to skype once a week and now we just we've been preoccupied like 24 7 was this stuff right so like i found i was more overwhelmed with this and just really shifting over time like just to say like you know i find like for the past year people get comfortable to be on the screen and i'm like i'm encouraging my team as just you don't need to be on the screen to see each other to have a simple call, right? So like, it's almost like became as like all those meetings with no purpose. It just became like lots of um, Zoom conversations where you don't necessarily have to see each other. Yes, it adds like this like social aspect, but if we're talking about something which needs to be done, it doesn't matter what we're doing, right? So it doesn't, you don't have to see each other. Like just let's get to the point. And before we would have um, space between the meetings call, like, you know, like, okay, client meeting, I can be in the car in traffic and just switch. Now we just back to back to back to back to back to back. And then just creates lots of stress. So I think big adjustment for myself was just to experience this, step back and say, okay, how many calls um, or Zoom or online meetings I can commit to the day, as well as like maybe like visits like to the site. So in order to not compromise our own bubble, and that's been a big, big, big shift for us. Um, just really kind of adjusting and seeing how we can entertain each other. We through the COVID, we <laughs> um, we found if we definitely don't exercise or if we don't do allocate time to go on nature, we just we completely go crazy, right? So like, and even time for each other, like just we we've been doing like you know painting classes or whatever. But like both of us, we recognize this COVID. It's stressful for everyone, especially because we cannot see our families, both of our families um, across the board. Like, and really, you know, it, it's difficult. And so, just difficult in the way of like you're worried about your families and just you really thinking how you can just because time goes, if something happens, like how you can still address something online, which you otherwise would prefer to do in person. Right. So really difficult things which we never thought about that we just we we shifted, you know, maybe just being more flexible, become more flexible to to do online. And I think Homer you mentioned, like I think is just lots of we found like I think people were going through lots of stress. And like I, I definitely found myself it was just like a period where I was like, oh my gosh, it's just crazy. Uh, with work overwhelming. Um, just you know, looking into how you can um, allocate some time, like 
put the work away because when you're working from home, it's it's kind of you can work twenty four seven because oh, yeah. the bond very the, easy without boundaries, man. Yeah, you don't have boundaries. Like, well, it's office. You can just go quickly grab something to eat and just keep plugging away. Like, and really put a strict boundary and say, okay, from this time to this time, it's a family time. From this time to this time, it's a drop off. Like, you know, we're just doing the, you know, our work, um, our work, and that's it. So, and I think if you don't address it, you just you you completely can affect each other and relationship, and, and as well as just to you know your work. I think you become less productive from your health. I definitely find that. And that would be from my end. Thank you, man. Uh, so I'll spend this question and then back to you with it, Casey. So what happens if I don't address it? Um, yeah, so I have a tool which I started using apparently just over a year ago, which helps to track my usage of applications across all my different computers. And his purpose was to get a gauge and start to see how much time am I doing like on productive things, how much time am I in like games or Netflix, <laughs> right? To to see productivity and just you know see where my attention's going because I avoid a lot of the stuff that traps people fall into the news. I've already been well off that for years, and even stuff like Instagram, I scroll on it once in a while, but I don't get absorbed in it. But uh, things like Reddit, which has a bit more interest-based things that yeah i might get caught up in that sometimes or uh youtube you know i focus on a lot more of the learning aspects of things that i can watch in there but still these things start to eat up time and um you know so the report came from last year and essentially in all that logged time there's additional time on netflix and games uh, hands down that wasn't logged and it put me at about 50 percent effective time-wise and that's logging, you know, my work day. So about eight to 10 hours a day of work plus, you know, like four to six hours of personal time. So that's like, it's checking about 16 hours of my day to try and see, you know, what am I doing over that How year? Tweet. Okay. So, you know, and the part of that again, come came back to that, uh, the, the stress I was dealing with and just not even recognizing that the normal stress was not acceptable. And then, you know, I'm very grateful that I've had no family members uh, test positive. Um, so I've been lucky in that sense, but, you know, I just came to that point when I got sick in October, I'm like, I can't, can't keep going like this. Like, it's just going to get worse. So this is how I am not dealing with it during the pandemic and something else, more major hits where I've, you know, kind of, been able to survive and get through the pandemic without any major problems. Uh, you know, these things don't stop happening to your life, right? Through the the time you're born to the time you pass, like there's going to be more hardships and more things that come up that you don't expect, the world doesn't expect. And, you know, I recognize that if I'm not in the best condition I can be, and at least making the effort to kind of deal with the well-rounded health, you know, like uh, Brigant said, like I couldn't, even be better fitness and eating wise, but I'm not dealing with stress still. Well, you're missing a pretty big component because you can be fit and still be stressed the hell out. Right. And, you know, that affects you, your capability to look after yourself, look after others. And, you know, so I finally learned that lesson, you know, at 38 of like, yeah, I can't keep doing this to myself. And the reason why I chose stress as the starting point is like, uh, dealing with 
being able to not necessarily avoid COVID, but, you know, viruses and like cancer and things like this, a lot of it does stem from stress and the way we don't manage and deal with stress in our body down to the cellular level, right? That ends up making it more susceptible for these things to happen to us. And, you know, I chose stress as the first thing. And I, some of you men will be surprised, but I'm actually doing real push-ups now. I've been slowly working on this for the past couple of months and I've built up from doing it on a wall to doing it on my knees, to doing the real thing. And, uh, you know, so the, you know, if I don't address things and keep these things in focus, you know, nothing changes that for me, that's what it is. It's like a life of mediocrity of just the same until I get to a point where I start breaking down and maybe my lifespan keeps going, but my health span ends and it just deteriorates. And I really don't want that to happen. I want to be able to have the longevity and keep up with it, you know, physically, mentally. So, so now that you're actually doing push-ups, how do you feel? I, you're a little muffled with your, your mic there, brother, but I feel Sorry, my bad. completely different. Um, even like my posture and like my core is already starting to engage that I just, you know, getting up from a, a seat, like I feel the difference physically from just a matter of, you know, three, four months of doing simple push-ups. Mm-hmm. And I'm not counting. I'm not trying to set any expectation. I just do it every day. And I'm starting to engage with more physical activity. I'm eating cleaner again. And, you know, take this on just like I did with the stress is like, how do I manage these things, make it a part of my lifestyle permanently now and just keep going on without looking at the scale every day or, you know, once a month, maybe uh, not really caring about what that number is, you know, not caring if I don't get enough push-ups in, in a day, I did push-ups. Okay. If I can do more, I do more. If I can't that day, I can't. And just, you know, so that mindset change through the pandemic has helped. And I think, you know, uh, yeah, it's mediocrity or, you know, shooting for the sky. So, Okay. Oh, so Suits, don't forget my favorite show. It's got great lines. Harvey says, most people live down here. He likes to live up here. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Mediocrity. Sky's the limit. I know Pierre's excited about the fact that you're doing push-ups, man. This is great. (laughs) I'm loving it. Over to to you, Casey. So Me? What What uh, what happens if you don't address these or pay attention to these or deal with these well the uh what happens if you don't is it's going to have long-term effects it's going to have lasting effects quite frankly uh we've already heard the scientists talk and we've actually heard uh the experience of some people who have who have gone through covid um they know that they've noticed sorry that um it's had a lasting effect whereby they still don't smell things a certain way. They don't smell the same way. They don't taste the same way that they used to. Um, they've noticed that some folks, the way that COVID attacked their lungs, um, it's, it, it may have shortened their lifespan because uh, it still has not, even though they, they're no longer carrying the symptoms or whatever, um, it, it has had a lasting impact on their lungs or had an impact on, uh, on, on, on the way they breathe or the way they function, quite frankly. So we know that from a virus standpoint, 
it may have lasting effects. From a personal or professional standpoint, I think I'll start with professional. I think it's going to have a huge lasting effect whereby um, folks are going to be looking for the jobs to stay at home. And if this type of situation isn't addressed, you know, globally uh, relatively soon, um, meaning once communities start to uh, not be on lockdown, once they start to loosen their restrictions, people have got to get back out there and try to get back to uh, some level of normalcy in the sense that they're looking for jobs, uh, you know, again, where they're out in the public rather than um, staying at home. Uh, why? Because, again, I have a feeling exactly the same thing as Chris Connolly's uh, trade. His business is is the trade's business. And if you pay attention to what's going on when the Internet boom started happening, everybody started doing those jobs. So skilled trades became a, a very, very hard-to-come-by um, uh, industry. Um, and those who are working in it, uh, you know, we're, we're grateful to them. But the idea is if everybody jumps into this situation where they're working from home, we're, we're going to lose infrastructure. Um, so I see that happening in the future um, as, as an impact of what's going on here. Um, that is going to be an impact. Uh, in the personal lives, uh, that's professionally. In the personal life, um, if I didn't get back into the gym, if I didn't um, keep myself uh, you know, clean mentally, physically, emotionally, all that kind of stuff, the lasting effects are that just as an introvert, I'll just become a hermit, basically. I'd never leave the house. That's, that's where people start to become afraid of going outside or it becomes a point where if you're not taking care of your body that you'll eat yourself your body will eat itself from inside you'll just destroy yourself and you 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 would uh, uh shorten your life expectancy you're not going to live as long um so again uh, you know treat your body like a temple feed it properly uh, exercise it regularly and do the same with your mind and your emotionals and your emotionals and your emotions um it's the only way. It's healthy living, and we've already explored it several times on on these on these shows. Whereby balance, we have to maintain balance, um, and and it's fantastic to hear some of these guys talk about uh, you know going outside, hiking, experiencing nature, uh, getting out there, getting active. Uh, it's what's needed. If we don't, uh, it's it's going to be a very depressing and dismal future for all of us. This is his mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Good. Yeah. All right, uh, Mr. Conley. Um, same question. What happens if you don't keep uh, these things in check and things continue? <clears throat> well, <clears throat> um, you know, you look at you look at the different aspects. Of, of your life that makes the whole um, I guess you could if, if you uh, you know categorized everything um, you know like your spirituality your career your personal relationships uh, you know your love life you put all those things in and you give yourself a gradation I like to compare it to a, a race car you know if you have focus in 
just you know two or three areas that are like nine out of ten, but everything else is a three. And you take you take those and put them on a wheel, like you, you know that three looks you know like a triangle, and you try to use that as a wheel to drive your race car. Even if your front wheels are, are perfectly round, nine out of ten, but the back wheels are like triangles, like a two or a three out of ten, and you try to go hundred miles an hour down your life, your shit's just going to explode. So there's, you know, lo looking at looking at the pandemic as an opportunity, as as opposed to you know, it's taken everything away from me. I think is the way to, to really move forward out of this because it gives you the opportunity to go, wait, hey, wait a minute. Okay, I've got career, I've got uh, personal life. What's more important? And you, and you weigh the scales, right? And you can, take, you can take that opportunity and look, you know, everyone's kind of put a pause on their monotony of their day-to-day. -day. Everything's been broken. And you can take that and, and internalize, hey, wait a minute, how do I reinvent myself? What, what is it that I haven't even realized? You know, the things have come up for people. Oh, shit, I didn't realize that, you know, that that was showing up in my life because I was just so over here. I'm a nine, a nine out of ten. Whereas, mm -hmm. you know, my relationships were wherever they are on the scale. I don't know. Um, I think I think this whole thing is uh, is is a good opportunity to do some introspecting, reflection, and 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 keep, uh, you know, keep yourself going down the path you, that you really want to go. You know, maybe maybe what you were doing wasn't what you wanted to do, and this pandemic has kind of put that into the into the forefront, right? Um, yeah. You know, so for me, I think it's. You know, again, it's just give you give yourself some space. Uh, um, you know, whether it's the moment in your life, like your career or the relationship, or you know, whatever your spirituality, whatever the hell it is, um, I think it's a good it's a good time and space to you know take a take a second look at some of those things, and you know, are you putting enough effort into them? Is it you know are you getting the returns that you expected? Um, you know, like I said, like in the, in the very beginning stages of the pandemic, it was highly stressful because your normal day-to-day -day operation, your operas random was completely disrupted. Um, some people took that as an opportunity and some people took it as you're taking my life away. Um, so I don't know, just the things to, to, to move forward so I don't get fucked, I, I guess, uh, you know. You just you just got to take everything with a with a grain of salt. Um, you know, everything could be could be worse. But at the end of the day, this this moment in time is temporary. It's not the permanent lasting effect. There are going to have there will be lasting effects from from this, but it, nothing is permanent. So whether you're at the apex of your whatever category you want to look at in your life or at the lowest it's te it's temporary and that's uh i think that's something that people need to to you know focus on because you can you can always whether it's luck or or determination change it so that's that's i don't know that's kind of how i look at 
at things and uh, how I'm moving forward with everything. So, yeah, something you mentioned there, you know, goes back to loneliness. You know, the people who didn't look at, you know, the distractions, so they're so focused and they're always out or they're always doing stuff, and now they have no choice but to stop. And they've never been, like, they've never had the opportunity oh, to learn themselves. Wait a right? minute, I was lonely, so I was doing all those things to keep myself so busy, yep. so I didn't have to deal with my loneliness, which that's right could be the purpose aspect, right? It's like Lack they were purpose. around people, yeah. they were around people all the time, all the time. Exactly. And they're still missing that. Yep, right? and there's men and women that that do that in relationships, right? They just go from from man to man or from woman to woman. And they're never outside of that space. They're always in a relationship. And then in this pandemic, all of a sudden, holy fuck, I got to be with myself. And you're, you know, all the, all that time, whether it was a, whether it was an intentional or purposeful, you know, I I don't want to be by myself or, or not this situation puts it in the forefront. Wait a minute. Like I need to figure out who I am. Right. And, and then this is a good opportunity. And some for some people, for a lot of people, it's probably fucking scary if you're not, if you're, if you're not able to do that, that type of personality. Like I know my cousin was like that, you know, if he, if he, uh, you know, if he doesn't have someone like a, you know, his, if his girlfriend wasn't around, he'd be fucking calling me every goddamn day. Right. <laughs> so thank, thank, thank God for her. Thank you. There's <laughs> a, there's a good quote. Uh, I think it was from a philosopher, but I don't know the name offhand, but it's essentially uh, paraphrased. Uh, the biggest problem with humanity is they can't sit alone in a room by themselves for 20 minutes. Yeah, if 20 minutes. everyone in the world could sit in a room with nothing but themselves for 20 minutes and like be sane, we'd be in a much better place and be able to deal with each other and ourselves. <laughs> it's called meditating. Yeah, uh, Exactly. Huh. Yeah, that's it's, it's, uh, it's very stoic. The lack, yeah. the lack of being able to just be with yourself is so scary, and I think that's you know a big, big aspect of the isolation that so many people are stuck on. They just don't want to be by themselves, even when they're with their partner. To realize you still need time by yourself. The the ones yeah. who are in those you know one bedroom condos or apartments, calling right, like you know. You, you need to like maybe go to the bedroom and do something there and not see the other person for a period of time because that's healthy. You don't have to see people nonstop. It's, you know, just not how we're wired. As socially an animal as we are, and we need that connection and that community, it's not, you know, can't be 100% of the time, even if you're the most extroverted person. There's some point of view where you need to just like, hey, I need some alone time. I'm going to, you know, get myself ready in the bathroom, right? A routine there. Like, a you know, doing your hair, doing your beard, stuff like that for men. It's like, sometimes that's a healthy routine. To, yeah, KC is in the regular. <laughs> every, Sunday, every Sunday, but Every Sunday. Uh, every Sunday. Okay. Uh, thank you for your feedback and comments, Jen. We're going to pull Mr. Pierre in now. And he's been listening in. And yeah. uh, get your thoughts around this talk and anything you have, uh, points of wisdom from listening in though. Yeah, for sure. Uh, great talk. Mic drop. <laughs> great, great talk. Great talk. I love it. Yeah. One of my goals for this year, the reason why I didn't jump in, one of my goals for this year moving forward, I'm an extrovert and I talk a lot. So one of my goals is to listen more than talk. And that's why I didn't want to. Two ears, one mouth. 
That's right, exactly. <laughs> I did. That's why I didn't want to participate on that because I wanted you to, to listen to more. Yeah, I love the expression you guys use. Uh, I can't remember who did, but the pressure cooker. Uh, it's, the analogy is awesome. Uh, it brought the worst and the greatest in a lot of people, right? You see some people doing awesome up there, helping and everything. And you see some people that are just like this, you know, theories to why we are doing this and all that. So, so yeah, I consider myself very lucky. Um, that's another thing too, that I didn't think I had much to add because I didn't want it to, you know, I wanted to listen and see the pain points. To be honest, you know what I mean? We had very little pain points. Actually, it's been working on our advantage. Uh, financially saying, really realizing that how much we were wasting before in terms of money and then now how much we are keeping in the house. So very fortunate for that, very fortunate for my little family. You know, it's just the three of us and we are very tight together. And this brought us even more. About five years ago, we moved from St. Catharines, which is bigger city into like a 30 minutes away in Niagara Falls, which is like pretty much in the middle of nowhere in this snow belt area. A beautiful brand new neighborhood and we didn't know if it was going to be a good decision and ended up being because we have this beautiful brand new house in the beautiful neighborhood where people walk on the street all beside each other like six feet apart and it works perfect. So that decision five years ago worked really, really good. Uh, the house we built for ourselves with the intention, like one office for each one, large bedroom for our teenager daughter. So everything worked really good. So one thing that I like to say is like with the stress, the stress is always there, right? Uh, no matter what, right? No matter if we are doing well or not, I think is always there. So I heard one, uh, I, I read one quote that says that you can't get wet by the word water, right? And what that means is pretty much almost all the time, every situation that we are, we don't get hurt by the situation or thing itself. We always hurt ourselves or get stressed by the perception or the inability to process that situation. But we don't get hurt by the actual situation itself. So for example, if a girlfriend leaves uh, leave you, we don't get hurt by she leaving. It's just by us creating that emotion and everything. So I think during the pandemic in here, that's what I've been watching a lot. So for example, watching the news and all that stuff, we don't get hurt by that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm fortunately enough, like, for example, uh, Chris was saying about the beaches and the guy with the chainsaw. That was 186 kilometers from here, but could affect me so much because he's, you know what I mean? But for yeah. Chris, it was real, it was right there in his neighborhood. So that thing, that water wouldn't get me wet because unless I want to, right? So, and I think that's what I learned from this time. And then what I did is I kind of converted the situation and start taking what is the past, you know what I mean? Really talking with my family and everything. In terms of business, I'm fortunate enough because like Homer said, right? Nothing changed. <laughs> Things actually got better for us, right? Uh, are we on these calls all the time? We were 10 years ago, right? So nothing really has changed, but I think it has show, shown us a lot, you know, for the ones that are taking this in a great way, 
we are learning a lot. Like a KCU, you know, I, I think that's amazing what you said. You know what I mean? Don't come and come with and tell me any of these theories, you know, and all that stuff because I don't want to hear. I have 800 people to take care. I don't care. Just back off, right? So, and I think that's one thing is teaching us that uh, back off. You know, I am doing this. And yeah, and taking care of ourselves. Homer, Homer's doing his push-ups and everything. I think it's awesome. You know what I mean? <laughs> we got, yeah, we got it. About I'm super, a, uh, super proud of him. That's super yes, awesome. We all are. Yeah, we all are. Probably a lot of you guys are not uh, agree with me, but uh, about a year and a half, I became vegan. And uh, I was the I was known as the barbecue pit master. Okay. I used to cook a cow a week. And now I eat plants every single freaking day. And that has been an amazing decision too. Uh, you know what I mean? Throughout the pandemic and all the stuff that you read and all that has been awesome. And the, the family is thriving, everyone is thriving and everything. So I think learning, for example, for us, one other thing is the pandemic too, to teach us how to go and source food and make sure that we are prepared. For example, those guys in Texas right now, none of them are prepared, right? Mm -hmm. uh, for the pandemic, and none of us were prepared, right? Uh, but I think this has taught us to that. Yeah, we live, if you think about it, we never been this comfortable in our entire existence in the world. You know what I mean? You can go back 30 years ago and they weren't as comfortable as us, for example. They had to go for a meeting. We can grab this little guy here and then go for a meeting in the middle of nowhere with uh, Elon Musk uh, internet. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? Isn't that crazy? We've yeah. never been this comfortable in our lives, but now but we are forgetting that we have to prepare. And I think that's what I brought to me for us to prepare. And that's it. I could keep talking, but like I said, I want to listen more this year. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> Like drop it in. Uh, Borgens, uh, give your thoughts on the talk today, man. Oh man, like I think so so much already been said. Um, I think I I'm not necessarily good at mic drops, but I would say the COVID helped us to define who we are. Like you know, whether you're man or woman, like what do you stand for? Right. So what are you actually willing to fight? Like your own agreements, your own commitments, whether it's through push up. So like your prayer, meditation every day, whatever, whatever you do and like how you pushing things around, what kind of people you're bringing, what kind of conversations you're paying attention to. It's basically stand for who you are, right? So, and I think if, if anything, just, yeah, like it just, it helped us to, to test who we are and might be redefined who we are. Whether why, if you, if you were doing the business in a certain way and now it's, it's going to mention, this is the amazing time. Like you can actually go and try different businesses. If you try to go online, I was saying last year, so when pandemic started, lots of men who were just scared to go online and do things because they are like old school. This is a freaking amazing time. Try to do it now because there is no other way. Like, you know, it's just like lots of, lots of businesses were forced to relook into like all this like old school approach, how they do in the business. And I'm super excited because some of the industries, they were dinosaur industries, which they finally kind of slowly shifting towards is like, okay, now we're going to work online or just look at the tools, which we never used. I'm super excited. I think um, in every single um, challenge we face in our life, 
authors, uh, one of the men said, like, just it's Buddhist approach. Nothing is here forever. Everything is temporary. Rise up and falling away, right? So, and if you learn to, to be true to yourself through these times when it's rise up and being conscious that at some point it's going to fall away, like it's just going to disappear and really use it to your advantage just to either build stronger family, stronger foundation for yourself, might be stronger muscle, I don't know, whichever you pick and choose. I think that's that's what it is. It just, that's the biggest lesson from all this, whether it's going to be COVID point, uh, point 2.0 or like 3.0, it doesn't matter. I think like what's proven through like, I guess all those years and might be previous generations, humans, they, they're really amazing. They're super smart, but they never fucking learn. Or if they learn, they learn little. <laughs> And uh, I hope this chance is actually for them to learn and shift and get better, right? So as also like some of you men said, like this is like, I'm looking at some of the people who were just stuck in front of their computer all day long, were just working. And now they're just saying, okay, I'm going outside for a walk because I'm just, I'm facing reality. I just say, you know, I'm by myself. I need to face reality. Some of the men who've been, like single for so many years. And as Jose Cornelab is, I believe mentioned, like it just, you facing the reality is like, fuck, now you're by yourself. You like, you know, is it who you want to be? Yeah. If this is who you want to be fine. If you, if this is not face the harsh reality, like how you can build yourself. You want to be with 24 seven. And what's your future looks like? Might be just stop this fucking useless relationship you have. And wasting time and just build something meaningful over time, mm. which is going to last, which is going to get you through the times like this. Like, and I think that's, that's basically my, my sense of that. And I'm complete. <laughs> Sam. Yeah. Okay. So it looks like you're ready to, to jump in there. Well, Maybe I'm just know. looking at the, the idea, the very notion of the question that we had at the end there was uh, what will happen if we don't address this? And it's actually kind of turned into, what can you do? Uh, and the idea is, I, I'm hearing a lot of through the three guys, uh, Chris, Alex, and, and Pierre, are all saying, this is an opportunity, is what it is. It's, it's not a matter of what will happen if you don't address this. It's a matter of what are you doing in the meantime, right? And, yeah. and it sounds like all three of these guys are talking about Pivoting. This is your opportunity. This is, you'll never get an opportunity where you can, and I, and I say this in, in, the, in the most uh, humblest of ways of saying it. I'm not trying to say, um, you know, they should have, but here's an opportunity where you've been at home for a year. What are you going to do with yourself? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? it is. It is so true. Look at the retail. For example, you know, a lot of them will not survive this. And unfortunately, it's hard. And everybody knows business is not easy. But I tell you, the ones are coming out of this, they are coming ready for the next 30 years. You know oh, yeah. why? Because they are coming e-commerce ready. There, yeah, is this, right. there is this nursery in Greenspeed. They are huge and they're old. They just redid their whole e-commerce system. They are fully selling online. Now that when people are going there, they will buy in there and they will buy online. <laughs> nice. Right? Yeah. 
So I think, yeah, it's making a lot of people strong. You know, for example, Alex, you Alex is learning how to sell right? not people all the way in, in freaking, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> you know, all the way in Quebec, he's going to sell the houses and never even go inside the houses. <laughs> nice. Mm -hmm. no, I think one of the biggest mistakes uh, that, that uh, you could make is to sit on your it, hands. Is, is say to yourself, it won't happen to me. Right? Yeah. Like I think, I think Homer and uh, Brigance touched on it, yeah. you know, uh, about civilization and history repeating itself. Yeah. I think that's, that's one of the biggest reasons why this has, has kicked so hard. Uh, a lot of people is and, and preparation, right? Uh, I think Shira was talking about that, you know, planning and preparation, you know, whether it's financial or food or resources or whatever. I mean, if, if this thing was really, really bad, uh, like most of us wouldn't have survived, right? So it, it puts things into perspective and to think that, you know, be, you know whether it's ego or whatever that, oh, or it's over there, the, you know, the concept of wet, uh, it's over there, it can't touch me. Um, just, just thinking that uh, it won't happen to you is a huge mistake. And that's why exactly mm -hmm. this is perpetuated and why we're in a third wave or whatever the hell because history repeats itself and you know for us to learn from our mistakes that this is a pivot that has to happen it's like when you see the warning signs when you see these things you have to be ready you have to prepare and plan for and say to yourself oh shit yeah no this is going to get this i'm going to get egg on my face i better better get my pull my socks off and do something about it yeah yeah exactly. yeah well, I, I i read this thing the other day saying about like for example when you have a gazelle a gazelle learns how to run really fast because if they don't, the lion will come and eat them, right? But <laughs> they don't keep running every single day. So I think for us, it's like we do not stay in stress mode every single day waiting for something to happen. But if you prepare and then you don't think about it, when that thing comes, it's just the instinct to kick in and then you just survive. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's KC's world, emergency preparedness. Right? There we go. Yeah, humanity as a whole, you know, we, we haven't learned a lesson. I'll argue that we won't. But uh, my new podcast is just a satirical view of this and how these lessons are not new. They keep coming up. And until humans get to that point of that preparedness and that pivot and just like, this is the normal right? Adaptation survives, nothing else. No static animal, um, you know, evolution has ever survived. If they think things are going to stay the same, if they think the continents and the, the areas they live in are going to stay the same indefinitely, it, it, it's, it's foolishness. Yeah. But, you know, that's the trouble with the way our brains are wired. And, you know, we have to get to a point to look beyond that. But uh, Conley, since you're already going there, man, any other thoughts or final uh, things you have to offer yeah it won't happen to me <laughs> <laughs> love it love that's it. right <laughs> it's, a, it's a typical uh it's a typical man response to everything like oh that won't happen to me uh, I, I can't remember what was that what was that thing remember when my buddy had the heart attack at, at my cottage yeah and i had i found that i found that picture of the billboard about, about the, it was it was perfect oh my god i can't remember what it was but it was basically, you know, like the, the age old, uh, you know, man's pride is the leading cause of death. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. It was something, uh, it was something to the essence of that. Yeah. But, he uh, didn't want to go to the hospital. He didn't want to quit smoking. Thank God I had aspirin on me. 
yeah, you pretty well saved them. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that, again, like just being prepared, keep your sword sharp when you, when, you know, filter the things that are coming in to your mind, you, you, your, your mind is your temple, you know, you putting reality shows in your, into your brain and polluting it subconsciously. Are you putting McDonald's into your body or, you know, what you can filter out those things like, okay, I don't mind to have fries every once in a while from McDonald's or a Big Mac, but I don't eat it every day. I don't, you know, being aware of these things is good. That keeps your sword sharp. Right. Uh, I guess I love it's that just, line, man. That's a fantastic line. I've never heard of it. Love it. What's that one? Keep your sword, sword? sharp. Oh, hell yeah. But remember, okay. it can cut you. So, you know, it, it, it's a uh, <laughs> play safe. <laughs> no, I mean, you, you have to wear like situational awareness, aware, like aware of the markets, aware of opportunities that could arise, aware of, of yourself. Like if you're just caught in these routines of, you know, the day-to-day minutiae, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden you can't be in, in a room by yourself for 20 minutes and you don't realize what's going around you. Like, I don't know. Maybe you should just be food for the rest of us. I don't know. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> John, what are your takeaways, man? Uh, did you say John? I thought I heard John. John. Sean. <laughs> He's not used to his name anymore. <laughs> He's like Sean. Yeah. I'm like what? Sean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, uh, from all the things that people have said, <clears throat> the awareness is definitely a big one for me. That's something I've been leaning into a lot more and uh, want to keep a focus on that. And arguably, I'd say I've tried to stay aware of the aspects of my life over the years, but others, uh, I haven't been as uh, strong in, especially physical, mental. So keeping that in the forefront and, um, you know, uh, just really looking at how to stay adaptive. So this, I, you know, I've been learning about the the farm industry and we have a stuff uh, later in the year on the mastermind to look at food and where it comes from. Is it safe? And, you know, if we think COVID is like a, a rare thing, uh, it's not. It, it, there's a potential for these things to start happening much more regularly. And yes, because of the way they can make vaccines now, the mRNA and stuff like that has definitely vaulted the way, you know, we can address these things much better. But is it just going to go back to normal? Or is that normal even sustainable or good for us or the planet? Like, you know, we're quite arguably the first species to be documenting our potential extinction. And it's that not learning that we really, as a people, need to get past. And so the keeping your sword sharp, you know, the all the practices you're doing with the mask and everything now, maybe there's a point where we stop using the mask for a little bit, but don't stop fucking washing your hands, right? This all started because people don't fucking wash their hands in part. Um, moving around too much, you know, it's like, it's good to travel and especially to learn about other cultures, but like, is there that need to just always go so often? And, you know, it's like, we have to start asking ourselves these hard questions. And I think enough people will help that and will be better off for it. But as we've seen, it's polarized, right? There's enough that just keep the Luddites that drag us down and like, are the, you know, the weights uh, around our belt that we have to like find a way. It's like, either you like, 
you know, get past this or, you know, you're, you're going to drag us all down with you. So it's like, uh, Conley, you know, that's very well trying to save a drowning diver, right? Tell them to inflate their BC. If they don't, they have to drown. You can't help them or else you're going down with them. So, all right. Uh, that's all we have for today. Thank you for Great your talk. time. Uh, next month we have our talk coming up. It is on the, uh, I think it's the 12th again of March. I'll just trying to pull it up here. Yes, so it is on resilience in spite of adversity, which we thought was a very complimentary talk to what we talked about today. So specifically around adversity that is not going anywhere, you know, how do we strive and how do we be successful during those times? And it's on Saturday, March 13th. 13th. All right. Thank you, everyone. Appreciate you. Wonderful having you. See you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you.